Well, hello, welcome to the Faithfully Entrusted Podcast with pastor, teacher, author, Dr. Travis Tyler. I'm Zachariah Pugh, and uh, I'll be your host for today. Travis, welcome back. How are you feeling after your crash and burn? That you didn't burn, you just crashed. No burning, just just crash. Um, I don't feel like I did before the wreck, but well enough, I guess, yeah. to carry on today. So, well, we've been praying for you, and and yeah, concussions. Travis had a little fender bender. It was more than a fender bender. He got slammed head on and had a concussion. Sort of at a forty-five from the yeah. looks of damage. I don't remember anything, but yeah. Anyway, we're glad you're all right. And unfortunately, concussions take a little while to to get you back to a hundred percent. So we'll keep praying for trap for pastor Tyler. So, um, and if there's anything that upsets you in this episode, you can just blame it on the concussion. That's right. We'll just, we'll blame everything on the concussion. So, um, two weeks ago we did, we started a two part series on first Kings and today we're going to wrap that up. So without further ado, Travis lead us. Well, just a quick review. Last time we discussed uh, King David's decline, Solomon's ascension. We got into and sort of ended with Solomon's decline as his heart turned from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is not listed in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. A lot of people are surprised to hear that. Uh, some would argue he turned to the Lord when he wrote Ecclesiastes as an old man. That's sort of his repentance. I'm not sure. I hope he did. But uh, he passes away. At the end of 14 uh, there, and so his son, Rehoboam, takes over. And this is where we see the split of the kingdoms, the north and the south. Uh, Rehoboam is the one who splits the kingdoms, right? He has, um, you you have this famous moment where the northern tribes come down and they felt they were being heavily worked and taxed by the father uh, Solomon. So they were saying, you know, Rehoboam, if you'll, you know, kind of pull this back a little bit, we'll love you and follow you forever. And instead of listening to them, he listened to one of his friends and said, well, if you thought my daddy was tough, why do you get a load of me? <laughs> and uh, he said, I'm going to pour it on way thicker. I think he said, my dad was like my pinky finger in thickness of heart. And I'm, I'm going to be the width of my thigh, you know, and, yeah. uh, and then they said, to your tents, O Israel. So boom, there we go. There's the split of the kingdom. So now the north needs a king. They need someone to follow. Uh, Rehoboam was not good at the people skills, right? I mean, he's just not very good at it at all. But his counterpart, Jeroboam, was very good with people skills. Uh, in fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Kings eleven twenty eight. Uh, that even Solomon recognized how good that Jeroboam was uh, before he became the king of the north. It says, now Jeroboam was a man of standing, and when Solomon saw how well the young man did his work, he put him in charge of the whole labor force of the tribes of Joseph. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was good with working with people. We we don't know. I mean, we know a little bit about him. Uh, Jeroboam apparently didn't have a father figure that raised him. There's no record of that in Scripture. Uh, But he was good with people. He was able to organize people, work with people, and get things done. Uh, Rehoboam is just the opposite. He grows up with what could be argued the one of the wisest dads of all time, and yet he is a fool, uh, and 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 an inability to listen to others and to work with others. And so you can see, you know, where it begins here: Um, the decline 
from this point forward here gets worse. Uh, Jeroboam was sort of made a promise by one of the prophets that if he would follow the Lord, you know, he would inherit a lot of the inheritance that was supposed to be King Solomon's lines and David's line. But instead, uh, Jeroboam decides to do the opposite. Mm. And he he makes two points of idol worship in the north, a golden calf in the north. And so he wasn't even that creative, right? He just took a page from, you know, Aaron in the first five books of the Bible there, you know, Moses comes down from the mountain and Aaron finds Aaron, all these people are worshiping this golden calf. Well, how'd this get here? Oh, we threw the gold in the fire. Now pop this golden calf, <laughs> you know, just, he just takes straight from scripture here. I was so surprised, you know, that this happened that, but uh, so, uh, and you can imagine what happens. There's, I guess here, because of his rejection of God. Remember last week we talked about how First Kings is a book about God's people rejecting God and God calling them to reject their rejection. Mm. And um, they don't do that in the North. And the North declines more quickly than the South. And the South still declines, but the North goes faster because they're engaged in idol worship. And then uh, we see <clears throat> eventually he dies. There's a... <laughs> rather murderous, treacherous line of kings that are killed, killed, killed uh, and successions in the north. And it's amazing to me, you know, you get off the tracks theologically with who God is and worshiping who God is, how quickly murder, mayhem and sexual immorality all mm -hmm. just run in there. And um, we get all the way to in the north, the king Ahab, and I don't know how familiar you are with Ahab, uh, Zach. I assume somewhat familiar. Yeah, absolutely. But for the sake of our listeners, I'd like to paint a rather obnoxious photo of him for your minds. Uh, there was a great preacher yesterday named R.G. Lee. Have you ever heard of R.G. Lee? I haven't, no. So R.G. Lee had this very famous sermon. He was a Southern Baptist that preached out of uh, down oh. near... Yes, uh, I do. Belmont, yes. yeah. What was yeah, the name so. of the sermon? Um, Payday Sunday. Payday Sunday, I yes, I have. And I yeah. preached it many, many times. Just a very famous pastor, yeah. you know, was known nationally. Yeah. Was known for calling people down if they got up while he was preaching. Did you know that? Like, if you no. got up to go to the bathroom, where are you going? Sit down. <laughs> pastor Vic told me about that. So I know. Anyway, so the way he opens his sermon, Payday Someday, he talks about King Ahab in First Kings. And here's what he says about King Ahab. R.G. Lee says, Behold Ahab, the most vile toad to squat on the throne of Israel. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and if you'll notice, there is a theme in the book. It's like every king in the north who takes over, the Bible tells us that he did worse than all the kings before him. So like Jeroboam does worse than Solomon and David, right? And then the king after Jeroboam does worse than him and David and Solomon combined. And then you get this long lineage of like 10 kings and you get to Ahab and it says he was worse than all of them put together. All right, so if you can kind of get this in your mind, and he was married to Jezebel. Mm -hmm. Jezebel was an idol worshiper, uh, you know, that hated Yahweh. They were murderers, stole the vineyard, you know, anyway. Yeah, not good people. Not it, good people. Not no. high points of uh, Israel. Uh, yeah. 
there's a there's a principle here that I would like to point out. If you'll remember what I just said, this nation has been rejecting God. Now they're at King Ahab, which is the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's as bad as it gets. It would seem to me that there is a biblical principle that uh, you will receive from God the leaders that match your spiritual condition. Yeah. So if your spiritual condition is one of rejection and running away from who God is, guess what kind of leader you're going to get? You're going to get some Ahabs, you know? Um if your position is more, I want to love the Lord, my heart's for the God, hopefully you can get King David types that are not into as much murder and, you adultery. know, adultery. Yeah. And adultery. But, you know, uh, so, so it's there. Uh, but um, perhaps the most famous kind of clash in all of First Kings, the one that has received sermon upon sermon upon sermon. It's going to be 1 Kings 18, which is, you know, you have in the midst of this sharp decline and in, and in the middle of this horrific leader and king, God sends a man named Elijah, who is considered one of the greatest prophets in all of the Bible. I mean, in the Old Testament, there were three great ones, Elijah, Elisha, and Moses are considered the three greatest. Jesus said that. And so Elijah is appointed to the northern kingdom to try to call Israel back away from their rejection, to reject their rejection. And he, you know, he tells them to set up two altars, you know, make up your mind. Who are you going to serve, Baal or God? Mm -hmm. You know the story, don't you, Zach? And what yeah. happened? You want to tell us what happens? Well, I mean, one of them got burned up and one of them didn't. Yeah. It's <laughs> kind of funny when you read it. You know, like he lets them go first. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he lets yeah, all the go. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, they're like crying out and they're cutting themselves. Cutting themselves. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. working themselves into a frenzy. And he's like, well, well, maybe, maybe Bale's in the bathroom. Maybe you should yell a little louder. <laughs> maybe he's. And so Elijah's just sort of taunting him the whole time. Um, but, um, but Bale never shows up. He doesn't. No. And then. Elijah, Elijah tells him to dig a trench, drench everything in water. You know, he makes it to where the only way, the only way this is going to happen is if God shows up in a miraculous way. And that's what happens. That's right. Like first Kings 18 happens. Yeah. And I've actually um, been to this location alleged where they think it, the area where they think it happened. And um, it's a, it's a great story. It's, it's really, it's really interesting. And it just shows you know, when you, I like what you said a while ago, like where your, where your heart or where the people's heart is, that's the kind of leaders we're going to get for sure. So how do we apply this today? I know you got a little bit more to go, but what's the application of this for us today? Well, there's multiple applications, I think from first Kings. Um, from just the little bit that I've covered just now, I would, I would have to say that, um, Learning from Rehoboam, just because somebody is trained well by a good father, just because they have received every advantage in this life, yeah. does not safeguard them from idolatry and being a poor leader. Yeah, um, The opposite's true as well. 
for Jeroboam. Just because somebody didn't have a dad and grew up in the projects or whatever doesn't mean that they can't ascend and be and be good leaders. But they're as different as those two guys are, their sin is the same. Yeah. And their sin is still that idol worship yeah. and being pulled away from God just like Solomon before them. So it's a call to guard your heart against idolatry. It's a call to guard your heart against um, rejoicing and created over creator. I think, I think, I can't remember if we've talked about it on this or if I had it, in, I've talked about it in a different circle, but it's hard for us. I think sometimes, you know, I think a lot of people will be like, well, I don't struggle. I don't have any idols in my house. I don't get down and worship anything or bow down and worship anything. And so I think it's hard for us some, sometimes to, whenever you think of idolatry and you read it in the Bible, you're thinking of like these, you know, graven images, right? Like there's this, there's this thing that's in your house, you know, that, that people take and steal and, and, but what is idolatry for us today? You know, what could that be? And it could be a lot of things, right? Like it could be, it could be you, it could be you, it could be your job. It could be, your it's, kids. that's most honestly, that's probably what the most common idol is, is you, you are your idol. You know, and, and I go in depth on that though, what that looks like. Like, well, I'm you, getting like you... so Sunday, I'm getting ready to preach on the seventh day of creation, which is the Sabbath. You know, it's the only day of all the first seven days that God says is holy. Like, you know, and he takes a rest, and the rest is not because he was winded or tired, the rest is so that it's a gift for us, for you and I. Um, when we think about that, how do we approach Sundays now? You know, uh, there's a reason we don't celebrate Sunday on, we don't, we don't celebrate and collect as the church on Saturdays. That's the last day of the week. You know, the, the concept from creation and Genesis is you work, you work, you work, you work, then you rest. But now in the new Testament, we're going from rest to work, to work, to work, to rest, right? And that's important because that's somewhat telling of our salvation, right? We rest in Christ, and from a position of rest, we now work for Christ instead of working for Christ so that we can rest in Him. That's a critical critical thing that we do that on Sunday instead of Saturday. Anyway, um, the, the day's still holy. It is. It's still a holy day. And if you think that popping in to a church service and then going about and doing whatever it is you want to do, or worse yet, popping in on a Saturday night just to be seen so you can have the whole Sunday fun day to yourself. Right. You probably have an idol problem. Because it's you're when you talk about, you talk about how the idol is you, I use the words a lot of times with the phrase secular, the secular humanism movement where it's it's the whole problem with the LGBTQT movement, right? Like I am God, I can dictate who I am and what I am and who I'm with, and if I want to change my sex, I can do it because there's no God to create what sex I am. It's that's all. This is right? yeah, it could be, but this this book is about God's chosen people. So this is church people. This well, whole book is about the decline of church people. It's not about, this isn't about uh, the Canaanites and it's not about the, you know what I mean? That's true. So, that's true. But I mean, I think our church, that's the our, warning. Church, our church people are doing this as well though, right? Like, I mean, Some, we're, yeah, I, think, I mean, we're, we're starting to the see. Thing, the thing that I'm talking though is I, I'm warning you against subtleties 
Yeah. In your thinking. Well, and I think because, we, 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 we talked about this though, like you, and you're, you're right to, to bring up even like something like Sunday. Um, you know, what are your priorities? You know, like I would, I would even throw out, um, and, and, and I, I want one thing I want to say, cause I talk a lot about studying your Bible and spending time and quiet time. And, and I, I want everybody to know when I say that for myself, I'm preaching to myself, you know, cause I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a challenge. It's a struggle, but it's like you said, and I try to tell my boys this all the time, you know, they'll get up and they'll, the first thing they'll do on a Saturday is go right to the play in the video games or watching a TV show or something, you know? And I'm like, guys, have you spent time with Jesus today? Like, you know, and that's what I'm trying to t- teach them. Like, are where are your priorities? Like, is your priority in God? Like, is he the first thing you think of when you wake up? Because when you wake up, he's the first thing that he's thinking of you. Like, I mean, he's he is wanting to, to fellowship with you. And, and that I, I think that happens with a lot of Christians, too, is their focus is on so many other things that – like you said, they come to church, they check that box on Sunday, but what have they done to prepare themselves through the week? And what are the things are they prioritizing, you know, besides God? Like, where is God on the shelf? Yeah, I think it's just um, popping in. Let me get my sermon. Let mm-hmm. me get my fuel, my tank filled. I've heard these terms before. Mm-hmm. You are missing the point of the Sabbath. You are yeah. missing the point of the Holy Day. You You have no clue what the the Old Testament and New Testament are structuring here, because the Sabbath is a gift to you from God, and you're not using it correctly for His glory and your enjoyment. (laughs) Same with with the Israelites of old, like, right, like, to to your point, they were putting their hope and faith and trust in these images, in these things, in this stuff, in this gold that could not do anything for them. But there was God, but God's sitting there waiting. Yeah, whatever's manufactured in creation won't answer the need that we have for the one true and living God. So how do we fix it? What do we do? How do we repent? Well, I mean, that kind of gave you well, the answer there, but what, uh, do we, what do we do? Yeah, I think you sort of answered it, but yeah. I would like to point one thing out before we go further down this this line of thinking. One chapter that you never hear sermons on is First Kings 19, hmm. which is the next day after 1 Kings 18. Everybody likes to preach 1 Kings 18. Nobody talks about 1 Kings 19. You know what happens in 1 Kings 19? Jezebel comes after Mr. Elijah. Well, she just threatens to come after him. She yeah. doesn't actually come after him, but it's enough yeah. to it's put scary. him into a tizzy. Yeah. And the guy just basically gives up. Some commentators have actually stated that they think Elijah was effectively shelved from 1 Kings 18 to the end of his life. Mm that he never actually did any of the things God told him to do instead of half-heartedly put his coat on his successor, Elisha, and instruct him on how he would take the mantra after he was gone. Yeah. The mantle after he was gone. So it doesn't end well. And, and here's here's kind of the point. You know, this has been a podcast series here on First Kings. It's We've said from the beginning, it is a divine picture of, of decline in a nation within God's people. And here, here's the one point I want to make before we kind of wrap this back part of this up. Uh, God doesn't allow his people to stay in decline forever. Eventually it comes to an end. Yeah. The question is, what does it look like for a nation or a people in spiritual decline to come to an end? Well, yeah. there's one of two things that happens, okay? And the one of two things that happens is either judgment of God 
which kind of looks the way you would imagine with another nation coming in and knocking them down and either, you know, because what, what happens to the nations? Well, anyway, I'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, or repentance. Right. God's people turn and they return to him yeah. and God does that. Surprisingly enough, in the book of First Kings, <laughs> Ahab repents, which to me is mind-blowing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And there's a lot of argument about what kind of repentance is this? Because it could have just been like, I don't want to see what's coming to me type repentance just to push it down the road a bit. Because the Bible talks about worldly repentance and godly repentance. And some have argued it's more along the lines of worldly repentance, but whether... God honored it at some level because he said, well, the judgments are going to come to Israel, but not during your lifetime. It's just wild to me, you know, yeah. that that happened. And then uh, what happens to the northern kingdom after First Kings? Do you know? Uh, teach me. <laughs> they're just absorbed into other nations and they become nothing. Yeah, they're no more, right? Yeah. They're no more. Yeah. There are no more people. And so uh, they get a little repentance reprieve, but eventually judgment does fall. So that's how it ends. I mean, the, the, yeah, and the, the, and the Jews are pretty much scattered, scattered from here on out. I mean, the Southern kingdom makes it a little longer. Yeah. But eventually, you know, when Babylon comes along, they get rolled into that. They get rolled into the Greeks when they conquer, and then they get rolled. Then they get conquered by the Romans, and they never really become a nation again. Yeah. Now, some might say that they got it in 1948. I would probably argue that that's not exactly what you think it is, but that's another podcast, probably. Yeah. So I don't know that that's Israel of old. I mean, that this was judgment falling on them both. So, um, so in review, I think. Uh, the book sort of ends how it begins. Yeah. As I said, with David's decline and death and a nation's decline and death, there are reprieves that come with repentance of God's people, but ultimately judgment fell because they never would wholeheartedly reject their rejection of God. And um, we're in a similar boat now. We're, we're, uh, I don't know. I don't know where we are on the king scale here. If we've already had Ahab or if we're still heading for him yet, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. but, uh, we, uh, man, we've had, I don't, I don't know the last time we've had a true Bible believing God fearing president. I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I couldn't tell you honestly. Well, and how much does that apply from, uh, the standpoint of us being Americans? Like, I mean, we're not, we're not Jewish people, you know, we're Gentiles. No, we're not Jewish people, but I think there's a principle here, right? So the concept of a theocracy is over, right? The yes. uh, God is not building a nation state for himself. So there shouldn't necessarily be an understanding of there is one nation that is somehow more favored than other nations in God's eyes now, but rather the church is favored and the church exists in all the nations. And that's the only place a theocracy exists now is going to be within the bounds of the church, wherever that church is and whatever nation and language that church is in. Uh, but 
I, I do think that if there are more godly people in a nation, whether that's Nigeria or the United States or North or South Korea, right? There's a lot of Christians in South mm -hmm. Korea. There's not a lot of Christians in North Korea. At least they don't treat them well. That nation benefits because those believers are there. They're like salt that preserves. You know what I mean? They're yeah. they're they're their people experience blessing because of the the love and discipline that God's people have. So I think that there are um, there are repercussions for spiritual decline in any nation, whether that's the United States, South Korea, Germany, wherever. Yeah. You know, there there's going to be repercussions. No, Nigeria, wherever. You know, there's going yeah, to be so when you walk the ultimate thing is when you walk away from God and where the heart of your people are, that's that's where you're going to be. Not leaders, leaders as well. But I mean, that's who you're electing as people, you know, and you raise a good point about, you know, as you were talking about all this, I'm just thinking about America and, you know, we get so sucked into the whole political thing and, and, and we are called to vote like we have to vote for the candidates that are put before us. But like, you know, what what are the what are the what are the things that these these presidents pro, you know promises prosperity money cheaper taxes you know it's just it's stuff it's 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 the stuff of this world it's not stuff of god you know and um you know one of the pastors that i really love he always says i would love to give a speech to to congress you know and just <laughs> explain to them i'm sure you would too travis love to be able to pray before congress and and stand up there as one of the prophets did and, and, and call for repentance and talk about the things of this world that are wrong that we continue to follow in. I'm going to say this. They have those prayer breakfasts, you know, presidential prayer yeah. breakfasts. And I'm, I, at one point I was much more interested than I am. And then I am now because it has devolved into such pluralism that to me it's pointless. Yeah. You know, um, it's almost sickening. Well, it's almost uh, like a good. It's like a joke. We, yeah, yeah. We. I would almost yeah. rather they just wouldn't do it. We talked. We talked about it you when know? um when the football player, the Bills football player, had the had the heart attack or or, or whatever happened to him that day, and how the, everybody was talking about prayer, prayer this, prayer that. And I'm not trying to diminish it. God can do anything, and it, we needed to pray for that young man, and we should be praying without ceasing. But it's like I heard people that I know were complete and utter pagans calling for prayer. And yeah. it's like, who are you praying to? Like, you well, don't believe in God. So um, what are you praying to? And so, yeah, I agree. It's the whole, unfortunately, the whole pray, you know, it's, it's, it seemed to, it's, it's, it's almost like a, a cliche today. You know, when something happens, we'll be praying for his family. And, and it, I, I always want to be like, who are you, who are you, who, who are you praying to, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. all right, well, second, so first Kings, we, the second part of this session, we we're wrapping it up. So if you didn't listen to the first one, go back and listen to it and you can kind of piece them together. Um, but good stuff, Travis. Um, we, the bottom line is repentance, right? And whether it's from a nation standpoint or from us individually, we need to be repenting. Um, we need to be confessing our sins to to to, our, to God, and we need to be cons confessing them to each other, so that we can be accountable and uh, have a check and balance that we're walking with God, right? Yeah, very good. Do you have a nugget for us today? So yes, I do. Um, this is from pastor author Tim Keller, who's actually yeah. dying of pancreatic cancer right now. Um, yeah. He has spoken a lot about the issue with 
and and pointed out the decline in our nation. He does it a little differently than we did. I mean, I I drew lines back to 1960. You know, kind of in the last episode, you can go back and listen to that. Yeah. Uh, he said this, uh, talking about how Christianity became so in decline in our culture. And he says, culturally speaking as a whole, this is just sort of the ethos of the culture, right? He says, the thinking process culture, the Bible was never allowed to critique modern thought or popular opinion, but only to mirror it. And when you think about that, that's exactly what happened in First Kings, isn't it? Uh, isn't that what the northern kingdom did? They looked around and said, well, all these, I mean, the Canaanites have got their God, you know, the Philistines have their God over here. We can build one here. We'll put one in the north and one in the south. It'll be easy access for everybody. We'll be just like everyone else. But God never called us to be just like everyone else. He called us to be his, didn't he? That's right. To be different. Don't be a frog in a frying pan and then get burned up. Right. Right. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Faithfully Interested podcast. Remember, this podcast is wherever you can listen to podcasts. And we'd ask that you share it. And also, you can find us on Facebook.com, uh, the Faithfully Interested podcast. Check us out there. There's lots of information, post a lot of different things throughout the week. And uh, so, yeah. So, Travis, we hope you feel better. I hope so. They they say this feeling could last for months. And, and I hope everybody that was, there was a two car. Acts out of everybody in the other car is okay too. Everybody can pray for, I think there were three people in the other car. Me and my daughter were in my car, my truck. Well, what was left of my truck. We're glad that we're glad ultimately that you're all right. And we'll continue to pray for you and your health. So thanks for pushing through and being here today for the Faithful and Trusted Podcast. I do appreciate it. Well, for Dr. Travis Tyler, I'm Zachariah Pugh. Join us next time when we open God's word to find out how Christ has faithfully entrusted us with his word. We will see you next time. God bless. Have a great day.